We are very proudly sponsored by Huckleberry. You can find them at huckleberry.co.nz for your local source of organic produce, whole food groceries, and top quality supplements. Welcome to How to Save the World podcast. Uh, this is our first episode with a special guest. Uh, before that, I'm Tim Bat. I'm Waveney Worth. And this is Di Hemworth. Hi, it's great to be here actually. I, I love the whole vibe about this podcast. Great. I'm very into saving the world. Excellent. And Excellent. even finding out how I can do it a little bit. This- I even got some questions. But we can get into those later because... Um, might be a mutual exchange of information. I like that. Yeah. If you've got any burning ones, just throw them out. We could, like, start with one. We can do oh, no, it's more... It's going to get into They'll, a conversation. Okay. You know, we're not here for a conversation, are we? <laughs> we certainly are, Di. That is exactly why we're here. The, um, the, the co-pup of the mission of this podcast is about sort of recognising how screwed up things are at the moment in the great situation co-papa. that we're in. Hey? It's a great co-pup. I think so. But you've got to marry that with um, being able to uh, give people a call to action, something to do. Because I think at the moment there is a whole lot of people out there freaking out and not being able to channel that very scared energy into anything. So from the get-go, I'm going to tell you I'm very much a glass-half-full guy. That's what we and want. And I still, I, still I, I acknowledge that we're in a bad situation. But we've still got to be happy as mm. humans. Mm. And how can we be happy and help other humans absolutely and ironically there's such a unsustainable aspect to that mentality of not being happy because of the situation yeah uh, just the weird dichotomy i was thinking about this morning was i years ago i got into minimalism right and yeah. bizarrely you know marie kondo's become yeah. Big yeah. i stumbled across marie kondo like four maybe five years ago because i listened to a podcast with her in japanese and she has the most... Do you know Japanese? Um, oh, you do speak oh, no, Japanese, a li- small amount. I used to go to Japan a lot yeah. when I was young. And the interview was with her in Japanese, and her voice was so soothing that I ended yeah. up just listening to it to go to sleep Amazing. over and over again. <laughs> and then um, I sort of like it vaguely looked up who she was and about the decluttering, and, and then she's come to prominence now. But then I found the strange thing of people going minimalism, getting rid of everything, but then rebuying yes. everything to it get this thing. perfect yeah. look mm. of what minimalism so, is. Mm. So you're actually mm. doubling is, down on your capitalism. Mm. This is probably mm. a fair... And actually, while we talk... So um, diet is a bit of a tea expert, and we're yes. going to get into that in just a moment. But I'm aware that we've got a freshly boiled um, jug of water here. So that I'm just rustling open a, a packet of... Um, Zilong from um, the Hamilton region, the Waikato. ASMR um, for some um, some sweet tea sounds into the microphone yeah. there to help the listeners. And we'll get is, into that in a second, but if you want to prepare this while we're going. i just prepare it. Oh, that looks so cool. Um, but what I was going to say is that this is probably a good point to introduce you to Waveney's back catalogue of environmental Absolutely. action. Because I would say that you did the, the real like version of environmental minimalism of the zero waste thing has got to be like the top of that right well minimal yeah interestingly actually i got asked to do an interview on minimalism the other day and because because i have lived zero waste there was an assumption that i was a minimalist yeah and i almost did the interview and i was like hang on what i was looking around the house it's full of crap everywhere <laughs> i can't do an interview on minimalism they're slightly separate things aren't they, they are they are because being zero waste you can still have a flow of things through the house it's just around avoiding landfill and making sure that you it's sort of like a, a mini circular economy so 
just because you've used up a resource and you're now wanting it to move on doesn't mean that it's the end of life for that particular thing. So you, you so it's about if it's food waste, then you're composting it, or you could be rehoming something, or giving something away, or repairing something. So it's, like, it's just the key things that it's not winding up in a landfill somewhere. Yeah, that's right. And those Whereas philosophies... about um, looking real good on Instagram and just having everything just white We're paying them out, aren't we? It's we about are photography. Going to, to be honest, there are a few sort of... Um, the people who are actually pushing the honest movement of um, a For chap sure. by the mm. name of Joshua Becker is sort of a... Um, he's just a family guy who was clearing out his, his garage one day and sort of had that moment that I'm spending so much of my life just dealing with... moving things around getting rid of things feeling bad because i'm getting rid of things and he just lives a normal life but it's just about being conscious about i'm bringing something into the house yeah do i want to bring it in can i look after it Mm. do i have the money to keep it going it is super Mm. psychological as well because it's like there is there's a little space that it occupies in your brain as well as on your shelf when you have stuff no, I that's say true. Yeah. filled by shit in this <laughs> home it's, studio. It's oh, a God. harder Lovely thing. Shit. It's a harder thing these days, I think. From I remember a guy fixing our toaster when I was yeah. young. Yeah. You know, nowadays Gosh, how old are you? Well, I'm only forty one, <laughs> but I think that we had a bit of a tinkerer type of family. But you know, like fixing a New toaster. I grew was, up with the same toaster. Yeah. I think my parents have still got it. Yeah, well, the old... We actually had the flip-out side one that you put... Oh, like, that is like a old camping school, like camping, yeah. Yeah, that's mean. Tim probably doesn't but, even know what that is. <laughs> no, I do, but only from camping. Um, it, it's that, uh, what do they call it? Engineered redundancy. Is yeah. that what it's called? Built-in obsolescence. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Manufactured obsolescence. Mm. Which, was strangely, I um I went over to the Apple campus last year to, for the launch of their phone. Mm. Cupertino. And Cupertino... You, you are the most... In fact, there's only one friend I have who is like a longer fanboy of Apple than you that I know of, and it's because his dad used to own like an Apple showroom, but you are like well, the original the Apple dude. The piece I did was maybe not that favourable, and I'm never going to be invited back. But the word, so yeah, because your segue there not, was not, designed obsolescence, and the first thing that yeah. popped to mind was... Yeah, so the, 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 but the sort of the environmental story on that was like, their big push was they got, they've got their environment person up, and how they're using a recycled metals. You know, they're getting all, they're yeah. finding all these metals. They're using all the precious metals because they're actually the ones that are causing so much mm. damage when they're le- leaching back in. And they did this huge, like, would have used twenty minutes of what would have been our fifteen presentation, and then come out and it's like. Hey, but buy this year's phone. That's pretty much last year's phone. Mm. <laughs> you know, so mm. it's like the it, it tiny felt, movements on the sides. It right? felt that bit of where I go. Oh, I, I really appreciate the sentiment and what you're doing, and it's awesome that you're using that. But then, why are you releasing something that's pretty? You know, give or take five percent battery life and I a slightly better mm, camera. This mm. is a metaphor for the whole kind of thing, though, because I think what's required at the moment is some pretty big change and what we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of at the moment particularly from big companies because they want to protect the fact that they're making a lot of money is little tinkerings on the side like that and I, I don't know if that's going to do it you guys no so what uh, did hey, you I'm just going to swamp yeah, this yeah, tea yeah that's over. why I shifted that in front of you so do we need a rubbish bin to put the dead leaves in no because this is going to do two cups there if Wonderful. you could just fill that fill Absolutely. that up there see this is the beauty of tea as well 
Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving. With something like we're, what we're dealing with here is a dark oolong tea. Um, and tea, unlike coffee, doesn't take a scientific process to brew properly. You know how like baristas mm, with coffee, true. it's about you. It's got to be tampered down the mm, right thing. It's mm. be, tea is very much more of a vibe. You make it how you like it. You, oh, that's you, cool. And oolong can handle a hotter water or a slightly colder water. That's and, why I held off with the jug because yeah, I so haven't done that. A, Thank you. I haven't done a lot of baristering, but I know that if you, you can't use a, a hundred degree water on coffee because it burns it, it's got to be about ninety two degrees or less. And so that's why I waited. But tea, not so. No, tea, you, you know, tea, what unless it's a black tea, you want it pretty much boiling. True. But um, no, I find tea a very relaxing. Tell me about your tea journey. Well, my tea this journey is, yeah, was... I want to know about the tea. My spill the tea. T- spill the tea. I, my dad's Welsh and um, one of the, fir- the first things I can remember fully learning doing, like as a four-year-old, was making, making mum and dad the perfect cup of tea, like they'd send it back. It had Could to you draw. manage the journey? I remember that, holding the tea. It, it was and all... you had to walk into the bedroom <laughs> and it was this big deal not to spill it. So I, I was probably always, the tide was quite out on the tea. It was sort of <laughs> half move. a cup of tea. And then um, as I got older and I studied it like um, I was very much into Eastern religion and so forth and I travelled to Japan as I mentioned before a lot and that sort of put me on this journey of green tea and I just loved Mm. the idea of having tea and I just found it so soothing and I loved the ritualism behind it and I sort of, uh, I was very much into Buddhism then and I learned my meditate learned zazen meditation in japan and i've recently been getting back into it in a big way and then i've just got this beautiful fascination with tea and then i got into matcha tea which is sort of oh yeah it's the no, one you whisk yeah. up and that's like got the real health benefits it tastes not unlike dirt no I ha- oh no if you have high grade good matcha yeah it's really good the problem is it um it sort of gets doesn't the travel doesn't treat it very well so Mm. you've got to end up spending quite a quite a bit of money on it but um no i just something about tea for me i like the idea of putting kettle on i like the slowness of it yeah this is the slowness of it boiling do you like ritual generally yes i do yeah and it's something um i suppose i got more into as over the last sort of few years i've been moving more towards sort of full sobriety type of buzz Mm. and um their ritual sort of plays mm, into that, mm. and I really like the. I just like the ritual behind mm, tea, mm. and um, it is if you're into composting, tea leaves are so good for your garden. True, That's true. Because, well, because they're because they're all moist and sort of broken down, yeah. they just get it cranking. And also, I love the story of um, tea's got a great story behind it. Right, there's this guy who um, he was determined to steal tea from China. Right, what and guy? English guy. English guy. Cool. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not not that you get, get some, that back in the day. Sorry, some opium for some tea. So he, China had all the little trading ports. They wouldn't let anyone into China. So each port was a different country. Like you had a French port that it was all basically a French vibe and English mm. one. He went there. He dressed up like a Chinese emperor. He got. <laughs> All he paid all these people to carry him right into the tea fields. Everyone he had an authentic emperor's coach in that. Got to the tea fields. No one stopped him. He stole the tea plants. <laughs> then got all the way to the boat and sailed back to England, keeping them alive. Which was that's amazing. If you look at it, if you're looking at a heist. <laughs> Is that truly how England got tea? Yeah, and then it got into the um, East India Trading Company that was yeah. going between mm. India and England and 
um, because tea was the big commodity mm. back then. Was sort of you know when it was the old school tea. Well, even tobacco. now, it's yeah, surprisingly it's now. traded. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, it is the world's most popular drink. Is it? So it's Hang the most on. drunk. What about coffee? Because we were talking about that, saying it's like we've read somewhere it's the that's the most traded item in the we world. We were guest begging. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't. We, we it's weren't completely doing unfounded. No, but the, I think coffee's the most. Tra- I remember reading somewhere semi recently that coffee's the most traded commodity. Like it's above oil and gold. It might be the most traded, but the thing is. If you want to put the populations of India and China into anything, yeah, you're getting the dominate. most popular <laughs> True, beverage. Because they're not, necessarily they're not trading coffee internationally. Drinkers. They're just they're, drinking um, it. They're, they're, tea, they're all tea, they're tea people. And something, um, a story, my, my wife went to India um, last year and she was she sort of um, was staying next to this small little guy who made chai every morning. And she's saying the honest happiness of a few of these dudes making chai who they they weren't caught in the strange western trap of we've got to have more instagram followers am i doing things mm. the best am i getting ahead we would look at what they're doing as making very little money there but she's saying the honest happiness like in this dude's eyes he loved making chai he'd chat to his mates cruise home that thing of such in a small niche without looking too big and finding honest happiness rather than sort of swimming around like we're talking at the beginning swimming around in all of the world's problems Mm. yeah trying to find trying to find an answer it's a coffee yeah we're tea people (laughs) hey let's have some tea is it brewed yet you can you have that one that should be ready to go you hop into that one hey on the zero waste i have a six-year-old and a two and a half year old and obviously the um amount of rubbish oh, yes. can get alarming yeah um and halfway through last year oh no actually at the beginning of last year i really embraced recycling soft plastics oh no <laughs> i know <laughs> then no, all i'm, I'm looking what? for some knowledge here because i have no knowledge i got our landfill rubbish down three quarters of my yep. bin yep. Nice. Right? it's pretty exciting right it's pretty exciting Take, well, granted granted i had a feeling I've always had a little recycling feeling New Zealand-wise that no good was happening anywhere, but I was buying into it. Then all of a sudden I show up to the supermarket and the guy's, oh, we're not into that anymore, mate. Then when I read the release on the website, it was like, oh, we weren't really expecting anyone to do it. Mm. So... um, Oh, so sorry, you were taking your soft plastics, yeah, washing yeah, them yeah, and yeah. bringing them back. Washing it so you know, yeah. your, yeah. your cheese container. Yeah, all, yeah. Yeah. And then it's when you realise how much of the shit in your house Cause it's is sitting soft plastics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, it's the big thing. Yeah, and mm. then, um, so that all went away and we were like, wow, we've got like... We've got we're practically less, zero waste. Yeah, well, we've got less than half a wheelie bin and there's four of us and before we were barely getting it in there. Mm. Then it was like, yeah, we weren't expecting anyone to do that, so we're <laughs> sort of just biffing it away. So we're going oh to well, we're gonna stop this and we're going to try and figure out how to do it. So, and I was wondering, yeah. was it ever a thing? It was a Is thing. It? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, for I think how long would, did we have it? Six months? A year? What are you talking about? Oh, so I feel like man, year. you're asking the wrong dude. No, you know when you walked into the supermarket and there was that big sort of see-through clear thing that Kinda. you could put did plastic bags in? Did you didn't get into it, Tim? No. You just went through that whole little epoch. Nah, I, totally oblivious. So There's was... my role on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm supposed to be <laughs> yeah. the, the dumb guy here, and luckily I can fulfill that <laughs> role more Doing often than really not. Doing it really well. 
So it, um, yeah, it was working well, I guess, but really what it could have been, if you take it a step back, is it could have been... Um, Waveney, could you just say, what was it supposed to do? Like, what was the intention, what was the intended process with this thing? The, in, the intention was to deal to some of the problems that we have from soft plastic, or plastic generally, but soft plastic. So, so we've kind of got a solution, I guess, um, with containers, because they can go through to a recycling plant. Not a great solution, because it's actually all the same set of issues, whether yeah. it's soft plastic or a, a container that's plastic. Either way, it's about whether there's markets or not for it. So soft plastics were always a bit of a problem in terms of those big industrial recycling complexes because they couldn't... Um, they had it would to all sort. fly off the conveyor belt, basically. Yeah, right. so it just was the wrong weight ratio. Yeah. So they thought... Uh, there, there were quite a few people lobbying to say, perhaps we could just do this quite differently. Perhaps we could get the manufacturers and the consumers to be more responsible for the products themselves, uh, whether that's uh, some sort of a levy or um, there's the idea of an extended producer responsibility where it's whatever it is that they create, it's their responsibility, not just until it's sold, but for the life of it. I like that. So concept. it's a re- and when areas where they've legislated for that, there's been yeah. some really cool things. Like I think it's BMW have now got a design um, on their cars where um, if they just need to heat them to a certain temperature, and then all of the um, screws all just pop out. They're all just ready to be at the end of life. All just ready to be um, disassembled. Disassembled really, oh, really wow. easily because they're responsible for it. It's in their best interest suddenly to make sure that they're designing it. But as soon as you're not, then it's it's in your best interest just to sort of work out what the cheapest, easiest thing for you to do is up until that point of sale. Of course. So people were trying to say, look. Let's not just put a sticking plaster on this. Let's acknowledge that uh, this is an issue that the manufacturers have contributed towards and the consumers have contributed towards. Why should it always be the ratepayers and the government uh, that is picking up the tab for this stuff? So that didn't get very far and instead the um, like the lobby group for the plastics industry and the packaging industry um, approached I think it was Ministry for Environment to say hey how about you give us some money uh, <laughs> kind of around the wrong way and we will uh, have a go at getting the soft plastics recycling scheme started up so it, I guess it, you could say or it sort of certainly looked like it might have been a bit of a a move mm-hmm. on their part to preempt other moves, um, and so the soft plastic scheme. Oh, so they were sort of putting in a smaller initiative to yeah, prevent. Yeah, we were sort of saying, "Hey, guys, we don't against. need to exactly. We don't need legislation. We don't need any big, crazy things here. Let's just keep calm and look. There is a solution because we can set up this recycling scheme. So, uh, yeah, they might not necessarily have had a huge incentive to make it really big and successful in terms of the number of people that were using the scheme and picking it up. But what happened was that there's been this huge uptake of it because everyone hates plastic yeah. and is and we buy it but we hate it and we're super keen to it was just like wow a solution and so everybody started using it and originally they had a market for it uh, it was going over to Australia which is not too bad because often plastic goes to China mm-hmm. um, so it's going over to Australia and they're making quite bulky plastic things like plastic picnic tables and things out of it which is way better than it getting stuck in the oceans or off to landfill 
and um yeah, we've basically swamped that market and so they were stockpiling it for quite some time and now they said, oh, look, let's just put it on hold. It's all just was, a bit too hard. Was it sort of like a commodities dilemma where they had so much of it in Australia there was no longer any demand and so we couldn't get the cost to work to actually justify the process to get it over and there? I, I, I think, uh, I, I might not have most facts right, but I'm pretty sure that it was because they literally couldn't keep up with the volume we were sending wow. over. And yeah. w- once you got like two billion massive plastic picnic tables, you're probably good. Then you're running you're out of repurposing. I, I had gotten this um, interesting sort of conversation at a kid's birthday around plastic toys, right? Was it with one of the kids? Yeah, it was, I, was hey, really, I was really going deep. Now. No, it's just because we, uh, this person, she's very into, and like, your child should only have wooden toys. And sort of I got into this thing, I was going, but... Where was she coming from um, with that? Oh, oh like, like, you know, you should only have wooden toys because they last longer. Oh, okay. I've actually got a lot of rotten wooden toys that weren't made that bad, well. Untreated wooden. But then my only counter-argument to that, like, I do agree with that, and... Even when you try your hardest, the amount of random kids' plastic Mm. that just seeps through the front door when they've they've Mm. gone somewhere Mm. is phenomenal. Mm. Even if you're making a concerted effort, Mm. it seems like. Mm. um, Like at the end of the week, why is there like these 10 small, weird, broken plastic things? (laughs) Oh, Richie at school gave that to me. But So then my only other argument against that was, I said, well, what about Lego? And she goes, oh, but Lego's plastic. And I was, yeah, but my son is playing with Lego that is 40 years old. Yeah. Mm, I was mm, given in mm, 1978. Mm. And because it's so well manufactured, mm, yeah, mm. it's still clipping together perfectly. How and that's Do you Lego think there is like a distinction there to be made from... Making the most of our plastic resources, we're going to have that Lego that's 40, yeah. year, 40 years old is going to be around for thousands of years, probably still working really well. So and it's still like, being used yeah, as its purpose. Yeah, yeah. So we could just say, look, we've got it now. Let's use it and you know keep it out of the landfill versus going and buying new plastic stuff. Also, I'd be intrigued to see because Lego is the only toy my son will get, build, then just break up and sort of chuck into his pile mm. and then it will just be repurposed and built mm. into other things. Yeah, Whereas yeah. other toys, it's like, oh, I've got my Spider-Man, his legs broken off, that sort of just True. falls by the wayside. Mm. Whereas it's then it's like, oh, that weird propeller piece off that other one actually makes this mm. cool. Mm. You know, smokes, that, the answer was with us Yeah, the and that's awesome years. to see. That's the circular economy. <laughs> and then I was going, then I was saying, you don't, do you ever, it'll be interesting to see if you could get a rundown of what goes through a landfill. Yeah. How much, if Lego is actually features as a percentage of toys or whether people actually Man, that's hold a good on point. to their Lego. I want to, this is what I wanted to ask you because, because neither Waveney nor I have kids. Yeah. And, um, there's this thing that I hear a lot from people going like, we've got to think it, I, people frame it in their own personal view in their parents. I'm thinking about my kid's future with regard to the environment and particularly climate change, yeah. right? And I I never know if it's like a metaphor or if it's a genuine emotive connection to your child's future. Because you've got like the UN report that came out this year that said shit's really hitting the fan in mm. the next couple of decades. Like this is very much in our lifetimes, but kind of in the, the best bit of adulthood 
of the next generation yeah. mm, growing I've got up, a bit of it in the bag, again. Eh? A little bit, yeah. I mean, we'll still see some bad stuff, but they're mm. kind of going to have to deal with the thick of it. So, I, yeah, what is your connection to it through your Well, kids? you definitely start looking forward. Like, I mean, we're a product of riding the diabetes cancer wave of sort of strange preservatives and diets and so forth and all that sort of is that's what i reckon we're gonna sort of deal with and then i think um the kids will be dealing with the sort of like oh wow climate change is real and we're dealing with some heavyweight and it'll be a mixture of um climate change versus who knows what climate change will then cause just within Mm. the earth to react to that and start doing some Mm. freaky things so yeah i definitely definitely worry and i mean what i find really positive though is at primary schools and that teachers really care like there's you know like my son's so proud he gets he he gets each week he gets his certificate because he's like really concerned about rubbish and he picks up rubbish and he sorts it out and they like that's a big part of their um teaching at school and like um sustainable plants and like use how compost works and like i think there is a which i never got when i was at school it was a bit more hey just chuck your drink it out of a because there it was sort of more that packet thing is all the novelty everything's in a packet it's all bite size um so it's there's definitely the the worry about the next generation but then when your kids are so young it's more i'm just trying to bloody get through this i'm in the moment i haven't quite i i to be honest i think when they have when because of how old are they two and a half's my youngest and six so we're still a bit in the trenches with the two and a half year old i think when both of them are at school and we sort of sit back a bit on that bird's eye view um, it's it's hard, but what what I suppose gave me cause and really showed my son something, and I think it's awesome in these small places in New Zealand. We went down to a little place on the Coromandel, and where you you get all your rubbish out over the week, and you've got to go and sort it out at the landfill, like True. sort all the colour bottles, sort the plastics out, wash them out, and. Even when watching the adults doing that, people get so much. You know when things are tangible? Yeah. Yes. They get so much of a, oh, wow, yeah. that is a you, lot of stuff. And because yeah. you, you know, know how long you've been yeah. there for, it's like you've got a start and an end day. You're like, well, we did this in five days. Yeah, rather than mm. you just sort of wheel that out to the mm. thing and people disappear with it. And so him watching that was really awesome. This um, this actually is like a good parallel because I've I recently went vegan and it, it's that same thing of being separated from the product of the thing. So like with our rubbish, we just have this. We've got such a lack of conception of the effect that it's having because we've engineered a whole process to do exactly yeah, that. You put it, it in a rubbish bin, yeah. you put a lid on top so you mm. can't even see inside of mm. it, and then some truck comes once a week and takes it away. Like you never, it never enters your brain. What, what's going next and with it? And it's same. the same with like farming practices. Oh yeah, and, yeah. just about to say that it's the same at the other. It's like the only part of what we see is this tiny little bit where we're buying it and consuming it, and you haven't seen that history of it or everything it took globally for it to get there. And then there could be hundreds or thousands of years of implications after we've used it. So how do we engineer that back into the process of us? consuming stuff is like seeing it before so and weirdly after we've had it um it's such a buzzword at the moment the the word mindfulness right oh, but to me i think that people actually stopping and thinking and looking 
will make them care about the environment. Like for me, since I've been going deeper into my meditation and stuff, that idea of just stopping and looking at a tree or looking at the sky and going, wow, that's so beautiful and just appreciating things at that moment. And for instance, for me, it was like I do eat meat, but I like 10 years ago when I'm going to go with a dude who does home kills and watch him kill the animal, chainsaw it up. And if I can't deal with that, then I have to stop eating meat. And just then seeing this was all like an, on a really um, sustainable farm, you know, like it was a really lovely yeah. place up in Kumu. And seeing that, seeing that done and then the care and then how the owners were like, this one cow is going to last our family of six the entire year. Yeah. We've used every single bit of it. Mm. You know, it was like, okay, that... I think me being involved in that process, that then my meat consumption dropped so much because yes. it was like... And I'm sure it oh, changed when what? you were getting your meat probably as oh, well. Oh, yeah, so it was, like, like, it was the, like, hey, should I should... How about I just have this once a week? Yeah. Really mm. care about mm. where it's coming from. Then have more plants in my diet. And I mean, because I sort of err towards um, the sort of Buddhist way of thinking and all that, and um, I just actually ended up meeting this amazing Ayurvedic doctor who come over from India, and so I just am fascinated by different things like that. And I, all, all what I kind suppose, of doctor did you say? Sorry, oh, Ayurvedic. It's like um, the Indian way of medicine, right? And um, it's sort of through diet and. Like food is medicine. Scraping and your tongue and putting a bit of turmeric up your bum. It's quite a quite a vibe. Yeah. But it, <laughs> I've simplified it grossly there, by the way. <laughs> but um, it, it, it worked really well um, for me. And it, it was the idea of stopping and looking. And what I've tried to encourage my son mm. um, to do is like just do some little meditations. And that thing of just stopping and thinking, because everything now is about, oh, I feel like a drunk, grab a drink. Feel, uh, you know, the impulse... We our society is so based towards um, getting an impulse, mm. fulfilling that impulse. Mm. You know, mm. I want that. Boom, tap it. Done. It's at your mm. door. I want to buy that. Oh, Instagram and and just two taps. Mm. Buy. It's that thing of actually just stop. You know, and I, I I tried that thing. My sort of New Year's resolutions were health and frugality. This year, and I did that thing. Um, guy Kevin Rose, uh, who I follow, a sort of tech guy, but he's um, very concerned about environment and health and that. And he was about, he was just everything you want to buy, just put in a shopping cart online and That's wait. That's a good th- idea. Put it in your shopping cart, like you're going to buy it. Wait thirty days, then look at it, and if you want it, mm. you want to buy it. Mm. And I, got, I literally go back and go. <laughs> what was I you know that but I would have bought that it would have come and then, oh, I, would have, then yeah. I would have used it half a dozen times and I think that thing of what really got me thinking as well is finding out rather than just oh you need to have a reusable bag figure out how long that you have to actually use that reusable bag before mm. it's really paying dividends you're talking about like the non-single use bags the big yeah like you know you you know you get your 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 massive 20 dollar trilly scooper one or you get Mm. your little budget countdown one you know or are you destroying the environment trying to find the perfect keep cup you know know Mm. people are buying keep cups this episode of how to save the world is brought to you by huckleberry huckleberry are your organic grocer and believe in organics for everyone 
That's why they're committed to offering a wide range of affordable, certified organic produce and groceries. You can go to your local Huckleberry and make the most of the weekly specials or shop online from the convenience of your wherever the heck you are where you're online, which could be anywhere. That's a convenient place. It is. Just go to huckleberry.co.nz. That's H-U-C-K-L-E-Berry.co.nz. One thing kind of related to that is the fact that uh, at the moment, I think the three people talking in this room, like we've got the resources to be able to make those decisions. And what I, when I go for a shop, vegan shopping, it, I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, seems real expensive compared to <laughs> what I used yeah. to spend on my grocery shop. Yeah. yeah. And like not everyone can afford to do that. And not everyone can afford to go out and like buy a Trillis Cooper multi-use bag to replace the single use bags that were like two cents or kind of just built into the cost of going to pack and save, you know? So there, there's, yeah, there's just, there's that aspect of it where I think we need to think about the people who are at the bottom of the chain as well but um moving from a statement to a question that i wanted to throw at you is like you you're a deep thinker and you kind of always have been but you're you're a tv personality you've you know you're on seven days every week host dancing with the stars you're very visible in a, in a very sort of particular role yeah um do you feel any desire or obligation to get some of these ideas out yes and uh I also get to a strange point where I haven't fully formed my opinion and have as I don't feel like I have the answers, which I mean, maybe Hmm. unfortunately around humanity, we don't, we're at a time with all of these questions that don't have the answers because I also, perverse side of me goes... Everything we've done, plastic's natural. Like, if you look at the world, we're humans. We created it. We're on this earth. It's part of... Oh, so you, you feel can't like say humans are robot. We're an animal. Like, we're not the environment. We are. We're we are. Yeah. We're an animal that mm. lives here like every other animal, but somehow we've developed this ability to make these ridiculous things like a single use swing set made out of plastic that the manufacturer sort of knows isn't really going to work for more than (laughs) two times and then you buy it and then it's sitting in someone's garden we that hasn't just sort of been forced on us by our robot overlords we created it so it's our biology isn't it technically it's part of nature because Mm. it came from things elements that we scientifically put together that all exist on this earth so it's we've sort of got us into this strange bind, and I think because things got so exponentially exciting with the idea of what plastic is and what plastic could do, mm. you know, everyone gets excited by the positives. Well, someone, you know, one group out of 20 might have yeah. been, hey, what hey, about hey, the... Uh, oh, no, nah, mate, it's all yeah. good. Check this out. Oh, yeah. Guys. yeah. So it's that thing of I feel I'm still in a learning Phase, uh, and I, I mean, uh, wherever I could create awareness, and my thing is, I suppose, I just want to create awareness about people thinking. I wonder also, like, just because we don't know the entire thing, there are things that we know that that you know already that yeah. are like um, the difference between organic and and say regular pesticide uh, agriculture or buying local. Those two things are huge. And your tea that you brought today, 
supporting yeah. New Zealand's only tea um, estate, and also it's organic. I think that that is actually just huge, and it's it's, it's these it's a prince, it's a really general principle that can apply to almost everything. And um, along with that, eating local is eating seasonally. Like just yes. go, go to the yeah. the fruit store I go to in New Lynn's great because they've got they've got all these charts up over, oh. over their different things of what's in season. Oh, that's what, cool. And, that's very cool. But everything's very much labelled as this is in season and grown in New Zealand. This is not in season, and this has come from Peru. You know, which a lot of places don't have that. You just put an orange. Mm. You yeah. Know? Mm. And yeah. so it's really interesting. Going, oh, so that's what. That's what we're in. That's what we're you supposed know, to be eating. Yeah. We don't even know lines. half the time, eh? No, because it's yeah. actually scary it? if you go, so what's the courgette season, you know? <laughs> it's, it's like I pe- think that's yeah. really recent mm. too because mm. it's just there's a few things that have happened the last like 30, 20, 30 years that have allowed us to do that because I feel like my parents, definitely my grandparents, they knew everything that was mm. you known yeah. for the veggies mm. and fruits mm. and stuff. Because you couldn't freeze dry blueberries and ship them over from the other mm. side of Earth mm. in a in a big shipping container. It's wild. Um, so we've been sipping this delicious tea yes. from New Zealand. Um, from what's the company called again? Zeelong. Zeelong. Is the name of the it's uh, so tea. tasty, and I really like the whole. Um, you know, beyond just it being a lovely drink, this whole loaded philosophy with sort of slowing down and stuff. Mm. Yeah, so this guy so who true. started um, Zeelong, he came over from. Um, Taiwan and he had like let's say 300 tea plants that he brought over. Math kept them and kept them for something like 12, 13 months. They sort of got lost in the thing. He got, he came and got them and there was only like eight <gasps> left but he was along the full Buddhist thing of I now have the eight strongest tea plants. <laughs> yes. Oh my <laughs> So goodness. these plants are so strong and then he planted them and now he's taken over this dairy farm um, down in Gordonton, just out of Hamilton. You can see it from the main road. Yeah, eh? it's a beautiful place to go. They've got a wonderful sort of shop. They've got a um, restaurant, and then you can sort of sit and look out over the tea plantations. And it's so beautiful, just anywhere seeing anything that's sort of replacing something with green. Yeah. <laughs> what I also struggle with this fact of where we you can look towards a lot of places around the Netherlands and Sweden and all that who who are really pretty switched on about their country both on a social and mm. uh, an environmental level and then you look at the strange um, thing between Europe who is fine with government mental regulation and then America yeah. that hates government and loves capitalism yeah mm. and then China which has no idea what it's doing. Like, it's hardcore communism and epic capitalism all at the same time. And unfortunately, environmentalism and epic capitalism sort of have... An uncomfortable relationship. An uncomfortable relationship, as it feels like you are mentioning before about the soft plastics. There's not a real urge you know they they have to feel pushed into doing something and then when Mm. they do it it's what if what if you could just ban lobbying well or if we could have other voices at the table as well because the the businesses have got the resource to have just people sitting around wellington having cups of tea because it's so relational and then if a community sector tries to do the same thing they're just so straight for cash. It's like, who's going to pay the salary of the person sitting around having a cup of tea? Yeah. While we have you here and while we're sort of yeah. consuming this delicious tea, I, d- I asked, I don't know if you did this or not, Waveney, looking into like coffee and tea stuff. Do you know anything about... Because we... 
you- what I what I looked into was the tea. I looked into the tea that you bought, and I was just yeah. like, you could not get a better tea in New Zealand. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Uh, and then I thought, well, drinking tea is a nice little microcosm of all of the actions we do as consumers, as just regular people, whether it's whether we're buying our breakfast cereal or taking the kids to sport or whatever. All of our actions are creating our future. And I thought, well, if we just brought it down to a cup of tea, how could you have the world's most sustainable cup of tea? Oh. So that's what I spent a bit of time thinking about. And I realized there's actually a lot of factors. Some we've, we've touched on a couple, like um, organic, local. But there's, there's quite a few other factors. Throw them in. in. What's happening? Well, what do you reckon? I wondered actually if there was anything you guys could think of. Packaging, so Packaging comes to mind. Come to yeah, mind. yeah, yeah. Um, That's three. Well, you can grow it in your backyard. You can. That would be. It's quite hard. The, that would be back to the local. Yeah, yeah. Like, back like to a the local. Better. Yep. Can you think of anything else? I mean, I can tell you, but I just thought it'd be quite interesting. Oh, is this a fun yeah, little, it's like, like a fun little game. So you got packaging. I, I would, I would throw in maybe the ethics of like working environment. I don't, because I, I'm totally unfamiliar with yeah, how like, tea Yeah, like absolutely. Like if it's not coming from, or even if it is coming from New Zealand, but particularly if it's coming from overseas, yeah. like a fair trade would be yeah, yeah. really. Less environmental, but you know, part of the. It's part all part of the, of the same sphere, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Nah, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Interesting, eh? Because yeah. more and more occurred to me as I was thinking about it. So with packaging, were you thinking like the box and stuff that it comes in? Sure, well, what I, about in the, my head, the bag, I'm yeah, the tea the, bag? Because it turns out yeah. that a regular tea bag's got plastic through it. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, Dang it. It's a scary thing. I thought it was... Always, it looks like, and also, it has the lowest quality tea you can possibly it's get. It's kind of like the sausage, isn't it? The well, meat it is. World, a lot of the sweepings from the tea floor end up in the tea bags. Because oh. like, if you look at... See, like if I'll take a leaf out of here... These these leaves for those who are listening, they have gone from a little ball, but they've unfurled. That's an entire. You can see the leaf. leaf. You can see the full it's leaf. The whole like leaf. this has been picked. It has been rolled. Mm-hmm. It has been um, then dried and everything. And then when it unfurls, it's the whole leaf. It's not you know. It's if not you open a tea bag, mm. it's mm. almost it's all dust. Up little yeah. stuff, eh? yeah. yeah. So so that's a win-win. And then probably the glue that's holding the tea well, bag together. Well, that's why they put the plastic in it. So if just a, what I call a regular tea bag, like the yeah. square one, or sometimes mm-hmm. they're a circle. They have sort of got those crimped edges. Yeah. yeah. That's it's the plastic content ah. in the paper that hold that allows it to seal wow. and makes it a bit more durable and then you've got those sort of silken looking bags the fancy the, ones yeah. and they're, they're just straight out 100% plastic you'd think some of that's leaking out because you're using boiling oh, hot you, water you're drinking some of that it's full of right? dioxins and, and you wouldn't you would but, not want to I mean there's, there's, put it this way there, there's some studies that mm. a lot of studies that have very stro- very strong links to cancer and other health issues so it's it's not like uh Loose leaf. It's a good idea anyway. I so I changed from bags to loose leaf probably about a year or so ago after realizing the issues. It was this hassle, of course, at first, getting the paraphernalia, like the, the little tea ball thing. Yeah. And or you know, whatever it is that you choose to use, a teapot. Okay, get- so that that's the bags. And the other thing about the bag is that if it's white looking, uh it's been bleached. Yeah, uh, and then course. you've got all the issues with bleach. Okay, so I think we're up to about four <laughs> things. 
Yeah. What else have you got? Um, <laughs> what happens to your tea when you finish with it? The the tea bag. Yeah, like the oh, exactly. It in the bin? Yeah. Well, put, so here oh, we go. Is there anything a, there, perhaps? Well, I put what it in do the do compost, the, yeah. but now I realise that um, if plastic's going in there. But do you, are you using a bag, a tea bag? No, but we will have like there are the tea odd. bags yeah, in the house. Yeah, like yeah. My wife will I, use a tea bag. I guess or my that's. Mother and law I guess that's Okay, the, well I'll put my hand up. I'm. Uh, I've got tea bags. Tea bags. Normal galore. gumboot tea, and yeah. it's going. Uh, I just put it in the rubbish bin. I've been bad, haven't I? <laughs> Terrible oh, man! How are you tonight? Just because this was actually the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> this <laughs> Who is would the have thing? Yeah. This yeah. was the thing that tipped the scale yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, you get to heaven. It's so, like no. So um, the first thing would be to get away from the bag, and mm-hmm. then once you've just got your leaves, would be to compost them and do what die does. Yeah. What would die do? Get what it would tattooed. Do? What would die do? Oh, okay. What about when you're actually making the cup of tea? The level of the water in the jug. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I'm a, I'm a only, I barely have put anything you, in put there. Put what you need yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Your ju- oh, right. I'm your just yeah. over the midline yes, guy. Yes, that's Hold it. Hold up. So yeah, what should I be doing? Well, as if you fill in the jug, yeah. you're constantly you boiling waste... so much water that oh. you're using a lot more energy to boil right, that water. of course. Man, then that's just cooling heart. down. And then you, because if you just fill it just over the midline, yeah. it, it you get fresh water so every time. Yeah. yeah, I never thought and of that. And also, you'll notice, especially if you're um, drinking a, a tea that doesn't have any milk mm. or anything, the fresh water is key because water tastes slightly different when Would it I, boils. Do you think of that by yourself? I didn't. Somebody pointed that out to me. Oh no, I was I, happily boiling the full jug, and then one oh, of my so flatmates were like, "Hey, have you my ever? dad was a scientist, so he was very much about those sort of things of teaching me the thing." He was like, <laughs> "Also, when I got my first car, he was now you're going to be tempted as a student just to uh, put your twenty bucks petrol on it. Oh, that's always, what I did. If you can, always make sure the tank's above half." Because then your car burns less. Plus, it's more efficient. Gas. Yeah, because the less gas in it, the more fumes oh, you're yeah, actually true. burning through it. So, the fuller your tank is, the less fumes there are. So, less of your gas is evaporating. Oh. So he goes, you're actually you're burning a lot less gas with a fuller tank. God damn, some car. good tips in those, this one. Those, those little things that you think, oh, it's actually bad filling the tank up. We're going, no, your car will burn less gas if you. We'll have, have a to get you tank. back, and it will be like we'll just do top <laughs> ten tips. Top ten tips. Yeah, we'll get you to prepare them in yeah. advance. <laughs> so um, oh, another thing, just that. Well, it's in my mind of yeah. jumping back to kids' toys and that. We're down a couple of years ago. My son didn't have a scooter. All the other kids had a scooter. So I was, right, I'm going to go off and get a scooter. And I went off and I bought a cheap scooter, right? Two years later, he's never used that scooter. Then I end up going and buying him a proper one that's going to last. And he loves it. Mm. And that scooter is now just floating around. It's pretty useless. Yeah. It's not that well made. Mm. And that thing of which has always drilled into me, which mum always drilled into me, of just... Buy once you're going to buy it, spend some money. You never regret buying but this is, no, the, you, no, you don't. And that thing of then I went, then when he learned how to pedal bike, I went, I'm going to learn that. I'm going to do some proper research. I'm going to get, and you know, I've got the right bike. He loves it. This I comes know it's going to last. what I was saying yeah. before, because, uh, and again, I don't have the answer to this dilemma, yeah. but there's a um, sort of example that's bandied around a lot in economics about how um, the, the expensiveness of being poor. And that if you oh, have a job mm. where you've got to wear black shoes, um, 
and you don't have a lot of money, you're going to go to the secondhand store and buy the cheapest um, pair that are about to go bung anyway because you literally don't have any money or access to credit to get good shoes. And then lo and behold, in two months, you can't wear them anymore because they've got a massive hole in them. So you've got to keep rebuying them. And so they've the given you, you some weird sort of heel issue because exactly. they didn't have a proper sole. Exactly. So like your quality of life is so much worse. You've ended up spending way more money than the rich person who was able to buy a good pair of shoes up front and it, yeah, your life's just kind of miserable in the interim because you're wearing these shitty shoes, but you have to keep replacing them all the time. So like I just, it's it's so um, good and important for all of us to have these conversations about the ideal situation. And I'm like in a super lucky spot myself and I don't have kids. So like there's a lot of action that I can take. And that's part of the reason why I decided to go try going vegan as long as I can. Because uh, man, I miss meat hard out and I love cheese and I love milk. I'm like, there's you know yeah. I can do I'm in a position where I can definitely do this and I think more people need to adopt that mentality of like what, what can, can I, do? I actually yeah. do can in I my do? spot the, yeah. I'm I'm also where my wife and I we're always we moved into Avondale and we're all about support the local school right there's a lot there's a sort of thing where people pretend a bit to be Catholic so they can send their kids to a white Catholic school and we just send our son to the local school it's pretty low decile you know, people are all a bit scared and stuff. The nicest kids that would be there, he's not getting any weird middle-upper-class white bullying about having the right iPhone when he's six years old or whatever. Yeah. He's honestly seeing people who are struggling a bit with cash yeah. but are actually really happy. Yeah. Mm. Actually, do you think to- that's like the... Because you were, you were saying before about how much harder it is to be sustainable if, if you don't have the money. Speaking yeah. of kids, Di's got to get his. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, but there, there is a, the flip side to that of how hard it is when you do have the money to restrain your consumption. Mm. Or for me, it always comes down to flights. I think if I was going to do another challenge it would have to be around my actual carbon footprint mm. because I can afford like when I see a cheap flight to Christchurch or whatever I can afford it or Queenstown yeah. it's like and to not do that just for the sake of the environment is really really hard whereas and so they've, they've done studies and it turns out that uh, generally the the less money you have the the lower your carbon footprint is so I guess that's we're bringing it back yes to, so with the with the cup of tea thing which I'm going to put forward as our kind of nucleus for this um, for this episode. So we want to go loose leaf. We want to try and get it as local as humanly possible. Yes. Um, fair trade if we can't go NZ. Fair trade if it's from outside. And uh, it boiled the jug with like a, a low amount Just of water. Just the water you need. It blows my yeah. mind that I've never thought about that before. And it, loose leaf will end up cheaper than buying bags. Awesome. You need so much less of it. Yeah. True. You'd need about half a tea bag. And if, I guess if people are interested in a loose leaf organic option where they can buy that, because I don't think it's that common in supermarkets, but you, you can go online and look at, look at say, Zilong or other, um, just Google organic teas and see what's available in New Zealand or wherever you're listening from. And then I've been finding my tea at refilleries as well. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the bulk bin places. Yeah, yeah. But, but like the organic 
there's a couple of organic ones. Sweet. They're quite Auckland based, but um, I guess for those people in Auckland, it's uh, things are changing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take your sistema down there, or your uh, mason <laughs> right. jar, and get <laughs> yeah. your tea. Fantastic. Well, I will let you go grab your kids now. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. All it's been a pleasure. It's got my mind going. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. And, uh, Thanks and for coming we'll in. We'll have you back. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks so much to our sponsor, Huckleberry. Find them online at huckleberry.co.nz. Thanks, Huckleberry. Woo!